0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for a serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. We have a very special end-of-the-year show for you today, and that's because we're going to be sharing with you our picks for the most important animal rights and animal welfare stories of 2016. And I think we've narrowed it down to about eight stories. But first, to celebrate the end of the year, I want to torture Peter a little bit and test his knowledge on a variety of holiday-related animal topics.
1: I heard this was coming you ready as ready as I'm ever going to be
0: okay, okay here's your little holiday quiz reindeer are unique amongst all deer species because hmm. female have antlers they can fly hmm. they have two tails they have hooves like horses
1: oh my goodness uh I know, no idea um they don't fly I'm gonna guess and then I'm gonna say one tail uh antlers no Hooves. Females have antlers. Oh, I thought,
0: what do I know? What do you know? <laughs> Reindeer go by another name. Do you know the other name?
1: Oh, yes. I used to know that. Uh, they are called... Okay, so far zero for two. Caribou. I knew that.
0: Okay. Peter, do you know how antlers differ from horns?
1: Oh, let's see, antlers and horns. Um, one's keratin. Well, One's an- bone.
0: Antlers are not permanent and are regularly shed and regrown. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. In many Scandinavian countries, they build a Christmas animal in the center of the town. What kind of animal do they make? A goat? A bear? A horse? A donkey?
1: I'm going to say bear. It's a goat. A goat. Yule goat. Hmm. That's a funny term.
0: What kind of animal is given on the fourth day of Christmas?
1: Oh, boy. Okay. Let everyone sing, sing, sing. What is it? Na,
0: na, 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 na. Lay it on me. Partridge, fox, swan, or calling bird? Calling bird. Yes, oh. good for you. How what? about on the seventh day of Christmas? Hmm. Seven swans. swans. Swan- that's right. Swans a, swimmin'.
1: oh. a swimming. Swimming, swim, yeah. swinging, swimming.
0: Swans a swimman Swimming. In the In the Simpsons, what type of animal is Santa's little helper? I know this is one of your favorite shows, so you should know this.
1: Santa's Santa's little helper in the Simpsons. A, a dog. Right. What kind of dog? A uh hmm, Beagle? Greyhound. Greyhound. Oh yeah.
0: You know the other names for Santa's Little Helper?
1: Uh like the Greyhound or like outside of the Simpsons universe.
0: No, the, Santa's Simpsons? Little Helper went by other names.
1: Oh. Like all the elves?
0: Also known as number eight or Sud's McDuff of America. That's the Simpsons family dog.
1: Okay, I didn't know what universe we were in there for a moment. But that, I, okay.
0: Which animal pulled the sleigh in the song Jingle Bells? An ox, a reindeer, horse,
1: husky? Oh boy, Um, Jingle Bells, a uh, horse. That's that's a good guess.
0: (laughs) In Puerto Rico, children leave grass under their bed for which Christmas animal? Partridge, reindeer? Camel,
1: goose. Mm. How about goose? A camel. Really?
0: Children leave water, grass, and grain under their beds for the camels of the wise men and the next day find presents in their place. That makes sense. The Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer television special was originally aired on NBC in what year? Mm. 1964, 76, 89,
1: or 92? I... If this is not 64, I'm just going to...
0: It'd be a monkey's uncle. Yes, it's 64. Chuck Jones' animated version of the classic Dr. Seuss book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, originally aired on TV in what year? 1966, 76, 86, or 96?
1: 66. That's right. You know, I'm old enough to, to know that I was introduced to this as a very, at a very young age. Okay, so. well, finally, you're getting some questions right. These are not that great questions.
0: What kind of animal does the Grinch have for a pet? He has a dog. Very good. You're so excited. You got one right. Named Max. Right. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> Snoopy first appeared on what comic strip? Peanuts. That's right. Do you want to guess what
1: year? Peanut. That's, that goes back, I'm going to say 1959.
0: 1950. And
1: by the way, wow. comic strip was created by Charles Schultz. He mm-hmm. was 27 years old at the time. Yeah.
0: What kind of dog was Snoopy? That was a Beagle. That's right. He was a Beagle. That's right. Does Snoopy talk?
1: Snoopy does
0: not talk. No. In fact, Snoopy was silent for the first two years after the launching of the comic strip, but Mm -hmm. in 1952...
1: Well, I was only referring to the first two years.
0: (laughs) But in 1952, Mm -hmm. Schultz began verbalizing the Beagle's thoughts in Thought Balloons. Okay. Okay. According to the Charles Schultz Museum, the cartoonist created 17,897 peanut strips in his lifetime. Mm. Where's that museum? I don't know. Mm. Have you heard of the Silver Snoopy Award?
1: No, I want one.
0: Okay. You know who's eligible for the Silver, silver Snoopy, Snoopy Award? award. Uh, cartoonists? No, only someone who works at NASA. Oh. The award, which is a silver pin with an engraving of Snoopy... In a spacesuit helmet is given by an astronaut to someone who's made, quote, contributions toward enhancing the probability of mission success, according to NASA. That's cute. Okay, Peter, I'm pretty sure you're going to do better on these questions. Christmas songs and classic rock, okay? Mm-hmm. In 1967, which group wrote the song called Christmas Time is Here Again?
1: Oh, no idea.
0: The Beatles. Oh. How can you not know that? How about the song Christmas All Over Again?
1: Christmas all over again. Don't know that one either.
0: Oh my goodness. That's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in 1992. I don't know. You know, Peter? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to read these because okay. you're doing so poorly. There's a song called 2,000 Miles. It's a song by the Pretenders. Oh yes, I know that oh, okay. one. That's yeah, a good sure one. Okay, sure you do. Okay. David Bowie and Bing Crosby in 1982 together hmm. sang this
1: song. Okay. No, just tell me. Okay.
0: <laughs> Little Drummer Boy. Oh. Remember no, the two of them were? I, I don't remember that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How about Queen? Queen sang a Christmas song in 1984. What was that song? Mm. Thank God it's Christmas. That was the name of the song. It To Me Santa by? No, don't know. Bob Seeger and The Last Heard. Oh. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen sang what Christmas song? Santa
1: Claus is Coming to Town. Very good. That one. You want to guess the year? Oh, when did he cover that? Uh, I'm going to say he did that in uh, 81. 75. Yeah. Wow. Not really a Bruce guy. Okay, this one you should know. Yeah.
0: Bruce sang Wonderful Christmas Time. Somewhat related to the Beatles. There's okay. a hint.
1: Oh, yeah. Wonderful McCartney. Very good. Yeah. How about Father Christmas? Oh, that is my favorite. That's the Kings. Okay, very good. Now we're talking. Okay,
0: what year do you want to guess?
1: Father Oh, 70. Yep, yep. Keep going. Six. Seven.
0: And finally.
1: Thank goodness.
0: What is probably the most popular classic rock Christmas song? And I'm going to give you a hint. A good hint. Ready? <laughs> my singing voice might be as good, maybe even a little better Uh than the female voice in the song. Oh,
1: Oh, let's see. Uh, So by Cyndi Lauper or Madonna or go ahead.
0: Happy Christmas, War is Over by John and Yoko. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yes. Remember? I do think
1: your voice is better than than hers. You did terrible. The questions are questionable. (laughs) Laura, I didn't know we were going to be getting into a musical quiz mode. It's straying a little bit from our main focus here, but since we're there, I got a couple of holiday song comments I want to throw at you, Okay? Okay. Okay. You Forgot, which I think is a really great song, Christmas Rapping by The Waitresses. Do you know that one? No. I'm not going to sing it, but uh, I'll play it for you later. It's really a cute, cute song. I bet you've heard it before. And uh, I'm glad you didn't mention the one Grandma got run over by a reindeer.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that one.
1: I really don't like that one. It nah. used to be the favorite song of one of my medical school professors and made me crazy. He kept on oh. singing it. Ah. Who sang that? I don't know. It was like a one one time novelty song. Yeah. And you did mention that song by the Kinks' father, Christmas. Yeah. That is just a rocking, rocking, rock and roll song. I just like that's my favorite holiday Christmas song ever. So thanks for getting him in there. I do like the Kinks. And uh, we didn't really talk about New Year's, but New Year's Day by U2, that is really an outstanding classic uh, rock song. So, thanks for going there, I guess. I guess I'm not as good at this stuff as I thought I would be. Uh, So, after the break, Lori, we're going to go ahead with our uh, most important animal news stories of the year, right? Yeah, have some great picks. So we want to thank everyone for listening to Animals Today throughout the year. Animals Today is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals and give them a little love, make a little donation to help keep the show on the air for another year. Go to aianimals.org and click support. And there you go. It's very easy. It is our honor and pleasure to be on the air for you and to give you new shows every week. And uh, we hope that you'll subscribe on iTunes and share the show with anyone you think might be interested in what's happening in the world of animals, animal rights, and animal welfare. AIAnimals.org.
2: The holidays are here, and we want to remind you of a few things that you can do to keep your dogs and cats safe and happy this season. First, make sure the Christmas tree is secure and cannot fall over, and that tree ornaments, which can be eaten, are out of reach and make sure the tree's water, which can get overgrown with bacteria, is covered so no one will drink it. Holiday plants like holly, mistletoe, and poinsettias are toxic to pets, and be especially careful with lilies, which can cause kidney failure in cats if ingested. Electrical wires should be covered or out of reach, and use extra care with candles, or avoid using them at all. Cats love to play with and eat tinsel, which can lead to intestinal problems and even surgery, so we suggest avoiding tinsel altogether. Don't let your pets eat chocolate, alcohol, table scraps, or anything sweetened with xylitol. And of course, don't give them or let them eat any bones, which can splinter and lodge in the throat or block the intestines. And remember, the holidays can be very stressful for your companion animals. So make sure your dogs and cats have a nice quiet place they can retreat to away from your guests so they can rest and sleep in peace. So happy holidays from everyone at Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at www.aianimals.org. That's www.aianimals.org.
1: Welcome back to the show. We've got our end of the year show here for you. And Lori and I are about to share with you our most important animal stories of the year. We've got about eight or nine, depending how it goes here. And I'm just going to lead off with the Spanish matador who was gored to death on live television. Uh, This occurred uh, this summer in Spain. And the matador, Victor Barrio, who is 29 years old, was the first Spanish bullfighter to die in the bullring since 1985. It was quite gory. You can watch this on YouTube. And his young wife was in the arena when it happened. This caused a huge discussion um, online and was also uh, somewhat shown on mainstream media and certainly revived the discussion about the morality of uh, bullfights. The consequences of this still unknown. Will this cause more Spanish provinces to ban bullfighting? And will this reverberate throughout the world? Time will tell. But what an amazing, gory demise this matador met. All right, Laurie, what you got? Zoo tragedy in Cincinnati.
0: Remember mm, that? When yeah. a three-year-old boy made his way into the gorilla exhibit at the Cincinnati Zoo, which ultimately led to one beautiful 450-pound silverback gorilla named Harambi being shot and killed in order to save the life of the boy. And I don't know if you remember, Peter, this story received a lot of public interest and news coverage, probably more than any of the other top animal stories that made it on our list today, and probably... It's because, in large part, the story involves a child. But anyway, you have this three-year-old boy who climbed over a three-foot-tall barrier, got through four feet of bushes, and on the other side of the bushes was a 15-foot drop to a protective moat. Harambi climbed down into the moat and brought the child up back onto the dry land, and that's when Harambi was shot. There's a lot of discussion on the news about whether the gorilla had to be killed in order to save the boy. Many argue that the boy was not in danger, and the gorilla might have been coaxed to leave the boy alone and go back into his corner, or perhaps the gorilla could have been tranquilized. Now, others said that the gorilla had already moved the boy from the moat, was in close contact with him for about 10 minutes, and with onlookers screaming in horror and the gorilla becoming more and more agitated... The boy was indeed in trouble and the security at the zoo had no option but to kill the gorilla. Now, when the story first broke, and I'm obviously adding a little commentary here because it was such a huge story. Anyway, when this first broke, I talked about two important related issues. First, who or what is responsible for this boy falling into the exhibit in the first place? And I initially concluded where the hell was the little boy's mother? But then after thinking a little more about what happened, I concluded that it's not just the stupid mother who's at fault here. The Cincinnati Zoo, the AZA, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, which accredits zoos, and the USDA, which inspects zoos, should also be blamed for this accident. Because remember, the extent of the barrier to this exhibit or enclosure was merely a three-foot-tall wall and some bushes. I mean, really, any active kid can climb a three-foot-tall wall and walk through some bushes. So how the zoo and the AZA and the USDA could think this is safe is beyond me. And secondly, the most important question you have to ask yourself here is, should zoos exist at all? So anyway, this was a terribly upsetting tragedy that this majestic sentient being was killed. He was forced to be on display so visitors could be entertained and the zoo could profit. And I consider this to be one of
1: the hottest animal news stories of 2016. Here's another one that made my list, and that is in California, a Good Samaritan law was finally passed um, allowing Bystanders to smash into a car if a dog or other animal is there in the hot or very cold weather to rescue the animal. And even though it's California law, of course, California leads, and this will be taken up by many other states and it will reverberate everywhere. So, this law will protect Good Samaritans from being prosecuted by the law or being sued civilly if they just follow a few guidelines, and that is they have to act in good faith and they have to try to contact law enforcement before entering the car and use no more force than necessary and then stick around. But if you do those things and a few others, you will have the opportunity to save an animal if it comes up and not worry. So congratulations to Assemblyman Mark Steinorth, who Lori interviewed, who really took the lead on this. And of course, to Jerry Brown, Governor Jerry Brown.
0: That's a good one, Peter. Okay, this one just kills me, Peter, and definitely one of my top picks of hottest animal stories of 2016. 18 elephants were captured from the wild in the kingdom of Swaziland, Africa, and shipped in order to become exhibits for three United States zoos. So despite the almost universal acknowledgement that keeping elephants at zoos is very cruel, and the recent big news that Ringling Brothers were retiring their elephants because of ethical issues, we take these magnificent animals from the wild, rip them away from their families, and deliver them to three U.S. zoos to spend the rest of their lives in captivity. And actually, there were a total of 17 elephants that made it here because one of the elephants died in the process of the transfer. And by the way, this occurred with the blessings of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, despite strenuous objections by many prominent animal welfare organizations.
1: Lori, I agree with this one too. This was just incredible and sickening. And You know, there's more to the story that no one really knows exactly what was exchanged for these animals and who got paid off. And someday we'll learn what happened here, but it is just not a good thing. And it's just shrouded in mystery. And too bad the general public and the viewing public at the zoos just will not know what happened here. And here's another story, Lori, that I think is really important and ranks on my list. And that is the issue, this ongoing issue of fake service animals or service animal fraud, because this really affects everyone. We've all encountered a dog with a vest, whether we're at the supermarket or we're in the airport or in the public library. And you wonder, is this really a certified legal animal or someone just wanting to have their companion wherever they go? And it turns out it's not a benign problem. Untrained service animals can be very disruptive. They can attack other animals. They can't control their urge to go to the bathroom as well as conventionally trained service animals. And they may not react as well to children. The law is quite confused right now. If you want to learn a little bit about how service animal is defined, about how therapy animal and emotional support animal, please listen to the show of November 5th, where we interviewed a psychologist who really gave us a great overview on this. In Colorado, as one example, a new law was passed in 2016, and it's going to go into effect January one, signed by Governor Hickenlooper, just want to say that. And it makes it a criminal offense to misrepresent a dog as a service dog. And the fines uh, begin at $25 for the first offense and go up to $500 for the third offense. This law has been criticized for being very weak. There are a lot of loopholes, but it is an acknowledgment of the problem in Colorado and legislators in every state are taking this up. Fake service dogs, fake service animals. We've been tracking this for years and finally legislatures are responding. And stick around, we've got our top animal stories of 2016 for you. After the break, we'll continue with a couple of big ones. You're listening to Animals Today.
0: Today's Animals Today Minute features the world's largest land carnivore, the polar bear. Mainly receiving nourishment in the form of seals, these majestic Arctic dwellers may reach heights of 8 to 9 feet and weigh as much as 1,700 pounds. Their adaptations to surviving the extreme climate include very thick white fur, even on their feet, black skin to absorb the warmth of the sun, a thick layer of blubber beneath the skin, and large flat front feet which aid in swimming. Newborns weigh only about a pound and stay with their mothers about two years. Polar bears are classified as an endangered species with only twenty to 25,000 left in the world. And that's this week's Animals Today Minute.
1: Welcome back to Animals Today. Lori and I are reviewing our top picks for the most important animal Stories of the Year. This is one you may not have heard of, but it's really important because I unfortunately think we're watching the extinction of a species right before our eyes. And that concerns the cute little porpoise called the vaquita. This animal's plight was the subject of an interview we did with Captain Paul Watson of Sea Shepherd Society. And this animal lives only in a small region of the Sea of Cortez and is dying out rather quickly. In 2012, the population was about 200 individuals. And two years later, only about 100 remained. The most recent count is that there are only about 60 left and perhaps as few as eight breeding females. These porpoises are being chased away by aggressive fishing crews. They are dying in nets that are abandoned. And despite government and nonprofit groups trying to protect them, they are dwindling so fast right before our eyes. Now, there is a new proposal, which is rather controversial, and that is to capture the remaining animals and transfer them and move them to a different protected part of the sea and hopefully to get them breeding again one way or another. This, as I mentioned, has never been done before. The vaquita has never been captured alive, so no one knows how it will react to this. So all we can do from here is hope that the vaquita can somehow survive. I'm not that optimistic given the trajectory of the loss, and sadly, sadly, I'm afraid we are seeing the loss of a beautiful species. Okay, Lori, do you have anything a little happier for us? No, unfortunately, another tragedy involving a zoo
0: animal that I'm including in my pick of the top animal stories of 2016. A jaguar, a 17-year-old female named Juma from the Brazilian Army's zoo, used in an Olympic torch relay ceremony, was shot to death after she escaped her leash and approached a soldier. So Juma... Yeah, This beautiful jaguar was chained in the middle of the event as a live mascot, and she escaped her leash. Like, what the hell do you expect from a wild animal to sit there like a trained domesticated dog? And it just was funny to me how people are always so shocked when something like this happens. Juma behaved like a normal jaguar. That was her only crime. And same old story here, right, Peter? We should leave wild animals where they belong in the wild.
1: That's right. What a tragedy. My next story has to do with the elephants of Ringling Brothers. You know about this, Laurie. In 2015, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus announced that they were going to phase out the use of their performing elephants and do it by 2018. But what do you know, in 2016, it was decided that the elephants would have their final show, which occurred in Providence, Rhode Island, two years before their expected retirement. And so that is great news. And yes, some people may miss the elephants, but really the circus was under intense pressure with more and more communities banning things like bullhooks, which they need to control the elephants from being used. And so they were being... uh, squeezed out anyway, so they saw the writing on the wall. So, where do these elephants go? That's another source of controversy. They are going to the Ringling Brothers Elephant Conservation Center, which is in Florida, about halfway between Orlando and Sarasota. And this really isn't up to snuff compared to the conventional elephant sanctuaries where they have lots of room to roam and can just be left alone. This is actually a place where the elephants may be subjected to further scientific testing. There is some, in my view, contrived connection between childhood cancer and the blood of elephants that they are trying to exploit as a mechanism to maintain sympathy for these elephants. Apparently, there's something about the blood in elephants that relates to research on childhood cancers and therefore they need to keep all these elephants in their center, which is sort of ridiculous. Hopefully these elephants eventually will find their ways to conventional uh, sanctuaries, but we're glad that the elephants of Ringling Bros. are finally retired from performing.
0: Okay, surprise, another zoo tragedy made it to my top pick of animal stories of 2016. On May 27th, a male wolf named Rebel at the zoo in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, was killed after he nipped the hand of a four-year-old child who stuck his fingers through the enclosure's chain-link fence. This all began when a worker left a gate to an off-limits area of the zoo open. So the child entered a non-public area of the park and put his fingers through the fence. So again, where the hell is the parent? The child was transported to a local hospital for treatment of minor finger injuries. The child was fine, but Rebel must be killed because the wolf is acting like a wild animal, a wolf. And it doesn't matter that there were a number of human errors that led up to the death of this innocent animal, right? The parent allowed this child into a non-public area. Zoo officials left the gate open. But this is what we want to teach our children, that it's okay to enslave animals for our amusement, and we are to kill a wild animal who is simply acting naturally.
1: I know, Lori, it's it's just infuriating and never-ending, isn't it? It's just so frustrating and inevitable. This one is not a single news item exactly. I call it the SeaWorld slash captive orca and whale slash whale sanctuary item. How's that? And there's just a lot to a lot that happened this year uh, related to uh, related to these uh, connected topics. So I'm just going to put them together as one of my most important stories of the year. And I will start by announcing that earlier in the year, SeaWorld finally announced that it was going to abandon its breeding programs and its highly choreographed performances and change its focus related to the use, use of the uh, killer whales. So that was a major achievement as the snowball keeps on rolling down the hill and getting uh, bigger and bigger as we push toward the end of. Uh, captive whales and dolphins. Also in uh, California, an important law was passed, signed by Governor Brown again. This made it illegal for an individual or corporation to breed orcas in captivity and also banned the use of the orcas in theatrical uh, shows. The animals that still remain, SeaWorld has 24 orcas in captivity at parks in California, Texas, and Florida. They are allowed to stay there, but what should happen to them? Oh, and by the way, let me talk a little bit about SeaWorld as a corporation. SeaWorld's stock has been hammered, hammered recently. And right now, it's trading at about $19 per share. In September 2016, it was as low as $12 a share. And to put that in perspective, in May 2013, it closed at almost $40 per share. So it really is under a lot of pressure. And if you're into these things and uh, follow stocks, you'll see all the commentary and analysis, what's going to happen to this uh, corporation. But what is going to happen to the whales that are still in captivity and to uh, other sea mammals for that matter? Well, the Whale Sanctuary Project also started this year, and it is led by Naomi Rose, David Phillips, and Lori Marino. It's a new nonprofit and it is dedicated to finding suitable areas to rehome captive whales in sea pens or huge enclosures along our coasts. Uh, recently, for instance, a couple of sites in Nova Scotia were scoped out by Lori Marino. And they're about to look at some other sites in Maine and Washington and British Columbia. So that idea is really gaining steam. And hopefully we will be able to apply more pressure in the future to uh, really allow these animals to live a somewhat uh, normal life instead of being stuck in their tanks for the rest of their days. Now, back to what SeaWorld is doing, and this is going to be my final idea about uh, SeaWorld. They are really scrambling to keep their business alive. There, There's new management. There are fewer patrons. Some of the attractions are being trimmed down, so they're only doing them on the weekends. All sorts of ideas to try to save uh, this corporation which is like I said been really hammered recently but unfortunately there are still many many captive animals still in these parks one thing they are doing which I do want to commend them on is they are about to open and I think it'll be uh, the summer of 2017 a new roller coaster experience using virtual reality goggles to bring you deep into the seas to have virtual encounters in the sea. And this really is where our close-up exposure to animals should go. So we'll have to see how it goes, but hopefully things like virtual reality and video will provide entertaining, immersive experiences that will not harm animals. Stick around. After the break, we've got our final top story of the year with Lori. You're listening to Animals Today.
0: Hi, it's Dr. Lori Kirshner, host of Animals Today Radio, and I'd like to invite you to join me each week right here for the latest animal news from around the globe. From animals in the wild to animals on farms and in agriculture to our beloved dogs and cats, Animals Today tackles the important issues about their welfare and rights while promoting compassion and respect for all living creatures. And yes, Animals Today is your home for a serious talk about animals, but there's big doses of fun and adventure for everyone. If you want to know what you can do to help tigers in the wild, or whether your family should adopt a tortoise, or why you should avoid buying puppies from pet stores, you will love Animals Today. So make sure to join us on this station each week. Visit us at animalstodayradio.com. subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and join the discussion on Facebook. Thanks for listening.
2: This is Morgan Freeman, executive producer of the documentary film The Sea Word, and I'm here to tell you that defeating cancer takes breakthroughs. A breakthrough is the start of something extraordinary.
0: To be breakthrough is to be brave. Many small breakthroughs can lead inevitably to a big breakthrough. The kinds of breakthroughs that advance the fight against cancer. The ones that save lives by the millions. You are the breakthrough. You the patients taking part in clinical trials. You the scientists doing next level research to beat cancer. You the doctors and nurses who tirelessly care for everyone along the way.
2: Let's be the breakthrough. To learn about screenings and clinical trials that may be right for you, go
0: to standuptocancer.org forward slash breakthrough. Stand Up to Cancer is a program of the Entertainment Industry Foundation. Please talk to your healthcare provider about appropriate screenings and clinical trials that may be right for you.
1: Welcome back to Animals Today. Our final pick for top stories of 2016 is another death at a zoo. This one, a zookeeper killed by a captive tiger. And if you're wondering, yes, it was a big year for tragedies at zoos. And this is a growing concern of ours. So right now, let's hear Lori's thoughts about that story recorded earlier this year.
0: Zookeeper dies after tiger attack at Palm Beach Zoo. Stacey Conweiser, 38, was mauled by a 13-year-old Malayan tiger. This attack happened just before 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time last Friday. Apparently, this young gal was preparing the tiger for some upcoming performance. Zoo spokeswoman Nakey Carter told WPEC the incident took place in the nighthouse where the tigers sleep. So at some point, the tiger was tranquilized. Authorities had to wait until the drugs took effect on the tiger before rescue crews could get to Conweiser. And then she was taken to a nearby middle school where a helicopter flew her to St. Mary's Medical Center. According to the zoo, Conweiser had worked at the zoo for three years and loved tigers. Conweiser's husband, Jeremy, was also a zookeeper there. This was her specialty, Carter said. I kind of referred to her as a tiger whisperer. They spoke to each other in a language that only they could understand. And I can't put into words or make you understand for anyone who didn't know, Stacy how much she loved these tigers and how much the zoo family loved her. The Malayan tiger is extremely endangered with less than 250 left in the wild. Carter explained that the Palm Beach Zoo is part of a breeding program that aims to keep the animals from becoming extinct. The Animal Legal Defense Fund called upon OSHA and the U.S. Department of Agriculture to expedite its investigation and impose a penalty that would, quote, ensure an end to these preventable deaths in zoos. So I have three points about the story I want to make. First, this does not surprise me. It's terribly upsetting and my heart goes out to Stacy's family, but these things are bound to happen. It's happened before. It happened again to this young woman, and it will happen yet again. Wild animals belong in the wild. They don't belong in your home as your pet. They don't belong in a cage in a zoo. They don't belong in a tank at a sea park. They belong in the wild. Secondly, the Animal Legal Defense Fund called upon OSHA and the U.S. Department of Agriculture to expedite its investigation and impose a penalty that would ensure an end to these preventable deaths in zoos. Again, the only way to prevent deaths or humans getting hurt at zoos is to prevent human and wild animal interaction, which is practically impossible at a zoo, right? I mean, when you keep an animal in captivity, a human has to feed him, a human has to care for him. Apparently there was some performance she was preparing the tiger for when she got mauled. So there's always some level of human interaction with these captive animals. Now granted, maybe she broke some protocol when she entered the enclosure where the tiger was or, or how she entered the enclosure, which might have frightened the tiger. Who knows? And she might have been working with this tiger for many months without incident. But I'm just saying the story does not surprise me. Which brings me to my third point about this news item, which is the reason the zoo claims this animal was kept there at this particular zoo. According to the spokesperson, the Palm Beach Zoo has some involvement with a breeding program that aims to keep the animals from becoming extinct. So what do you think about this notion that keeping individual wild animals in captivity to prevent the species from going extinct? If you're a typical zoo goer or zoo supporter, then I suppose it wouldn't matter much to you the reason animals are kept in captivity. However, if you're like me and you oppose the typical zoo and oppose the notion that holding animals in captivity for profit, entertainment or exploitation is just wrong and unethical, then ask yourself... Would you also be against keeping a tiger captive if you knew that doing so would save the species from going extinct? But before answering that question, we should ask ourselves the following. Does keeping individual wild animals in captivity and part of a breeding program accomplish something, anything for the conservation of that species? Or is the so-called conservation work that many zoos claim they do bogus? I asked our friend Mark Beckoff, who is Professor Emeritus of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at the University of Colorado. Mark has published numerous books on animal behavior, animal emotions, animal protection, and compassionate conservation. I'm going to read to you Mark's response to my question. Keeping tigers and other animals in captivity so that they can breed to make more tigers and other animals who also will spend their lives cooped up in cages does nothing for the preservation or conservation of these species in any meaningful way. While some zoos, including the Palm Beach Zoo, claim they are keeping this or that species from becoming extinct, what they're really doing is maintaining a tiny gene pool of animals who will never see, hear, or smell their natural environs or never live species-typical lives that their wild relatives do. What they and other zoos need to do is to work to preserve the natural habitats of the animals in question and protect wild individuals. A tiger languishing in a zoo and being used as a breeding machine is not really an ambassador for their species. Furthermore, numerous zoos are guilty of what I call zoothanasia, the killing of otherwise healthy individuals when they are no longer useful to the zoo's breeding program. Zoos claim they have euthanized these individuals whom they call surplus animals, but this is not so. These are not mercy killings, but rather premeditated and calculated killings of animals who are no longer useful to the zoo, but who could otherwise have lived out their lives in sanctuaries. There you go. And I happen to agree with Mark 100%. One of the world's largest populations of tigers exists not in the wild, But in captivity in the United States with an estimated 5,000 tigers, the U.S. captive tiger population exceeds the approximately 3,200 tigers in the wild. Is that crazy? There are more captive tigers than tigers living in the wild. Can you believe that? And how about elephants? We've brought this topic up on the show numerous times. There's almost universal acknowledgement that keeping elephants in captivity and at zoos is very cruel. Last year, the big news related to elephants was that Ringley brothers decided it was time to retire their circus elephants. This is great news. And then, wouldn't you know it, last week we learned that three U.S. zoos and the African government decide to rip away and steal 18 African elephants from their homes and families in the wild and stick them in three U.S. zoos to live a life of captivity. Actually, sorry, 17, not 18 elephants, were flown to the three U.S. zoos. I say 17 because one of them died in the process. The three zoos which stole these elephants from the wild and made them captive animals for zoo-goers to see are the Dallas Zoo, Sedgwick County Zoo, and Omaha's Henry Dorley Zoo. And this occurred with the blessings of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. What the hell is happening here? The sooner we seem to make a step forward in our animal welfare movement, and then this happens. Now, the zoos might argue, and again, this is the same old argument zoos make all the time, that they are doing something for conservation by acquiring these elephants. But others say, and I say, that this latest move is all about making money, both for the zoos and for the African governments profiting from the sale. Thanks for tuning into the show. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet the animals.